Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Hey, um, it's great to be here. My name is Mark. I had the privilege of working uh, for this huge organisation that we're a part of. There's uh, obviously a church here on campus, but there's also a school and a childcare centre, Carmichael College and Carmichael Kids. And we're kind of part of a bigger world where we've got Mueller College and Mueller Church and all that kind of stuff. So I get the privilege of working at Mueller uh, College and um, I get to run the chapels there and I get to teach maths. Please don't hold that against me. And um, I get the privilege of being on the speaking team here. So it's a great privilege to be with you today. If I haven't met you, I'd love to be able to meet you. Um, We're going to do a couple of things today, but one thing you need to know is there'll be no spoilers for the latest Star Wars movie. Who has seen The Rise of of Skywalker? Okay, good. Someone's actually been in the movies. If you've not seen it, or if you've not seen any of the latest three movies, there'll be no spoilers for the last three movies. That's the first thing. Second thing is, is that we're really aware that what we can do on a Sunday in half an hour is nothing compared to what people can do in their own lives and their own personal study. So we're going to make some extra resources available that's going to be on this topic. And um, if you're not on our email list and you'd like to be on it, straight after the service, head out the door, turn right to this little place called The Deck, and you can sign up to um, find out more about the church or sign up for our email list, and I will email some extra resources out during the week. Cool? So, I'm going to start with some Star Wars memes. Are you excited? Are you pumped? The last service didn't find this as funny as I thought they would. So, Shane even offered to do some fake laughing. That's not necessary, but I want you to get at least a little bit excited. Okay, first Star Wars meme. Here we go. Handed the most dangerous weapon in the galaxy, immediately point at the face. Oh, there we go. Fake laugh. Thank you. Uh, Next one. Um, I know what you're getting for Christmas. How is that even possible? I have felt your presence. Lame? Next one. That's such a lame dad joke. It's funny you should mention that. That is actually a spoiler. If you don't get that, I don't know what the heck you've done for the last 30 years. Okay, next one. Uh, Strong people don't put others down. They lift people up. Darth Vader. Uh, Next one. How'd my father die? Exactly like that. So... There you go. Um, We are going to look at Star Wars today, but we're not looking at a particular Star Wars movie. We're actually going to look at a theme that comes up in Star Wars called The Force. George Lucas told Time Magazine, I put The Force into the movie for a reason. I put The Force into the movie to awaken a certain kind of spirituality in young people. Now, I've been busy researching the force, getting onto the fan websites, trying to figure out what's the technical definition of the force. If you want to go down that path, you will lose yourself down a rabbit hole and you'll get involved in all sorts of debates and you will die alone. So my best suggestion is you just watch this video to explain the force. Here we go. For my ally is the force and the powerful ally it is. The force? The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. The Force is strong with him. With the living Force, but... May the Force be with you. No knowledge of the Force. The will of the Force. Use the Force. 
want to buy some death sticks? You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. No! I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. He can go about your business. Move along. Move along. The Force. I felt a great disturbance in the Force. Feel the Force flowing through him. You don't believe in the Force, do you? An all-powerful Force controlling everything. I sense something. A presence I've not felt since... The Force will be with you. Use the Force, Luke. What is strong is Remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Use the Force. Feel it. Um, now, in many ways, the Force is similar to the kind of power that Jesus spoke about that Christians will receive when they become a Christian. So according to Jesus, according to the New Testament, when a person puts their faith in Jesus, when they realise they are a sinful person who needs a saviour, someone to save them, there's a number of things that happen. First and foremost, that they get all their past sin, their present sin and their future sin completely paid for in full. The Bible teaches that there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Jesus, that we are completely set free of all guilt, shame and condemnation. It's this incredible truth of Christianity. This is why we spend so much time speaking about Jesus. But at the same time, the New Testament also teaches that when we put our faith in Jesus, that we will receive this power. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. John 14, 12 to 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And you sit there and you think, hang on, this is, this is crazy. Like we see people use the force. They're able to, to move things, you know, with the force. They're able to sense the force. They're able to change people's minds or change people's thoughts with the force. And Jesus seems to be describing a similar kind of power that somehow that we would do greater things than even what Jesus has done. Now, if what we read in the New Testament is true, which many of us believe is, and we see Jesus walking on waters, raising the dead, healing the sick, and he then says, those of you who follow me, those of you who put your faith in me, those of you who receive this power will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask for in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And you sit there and you think, hang on, Jesus. This sounds like something that you might see on one of those kind of like motivational talks where, you know, self-help kind of like seminars, just believe and all that kind of stuff. This sounds a bit crazy. He goes on in Matthew 17. Truly I tell you, if you have faith, As small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And again, you're going, Jesus, Like, are you sure you mean what you're saying? Are you really saying that we can move mountains? Are you really saying that nothing will be impossible for those of us who receive this power? The Apostle Paul, who, who Jason mentioned before, when he wrote to the church at Rome, 
before he said, hey, look, in response to this incredible sacrifice, we, you know, we can, we can freely, willingly, joyfully offer our whole lives to God. Before he said that, earlier in that same letter, he said, the spirit of him, the spirit of Jesus who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And you sit there and you think, hang on, this, this just doesn't seem to, to make sense to me. Like if this is true, why do we so rarely see this power at work today? Like, is this really what the Bible means? Is this the kind of thing that we can actually expect to see? If this is true, why do we so rarely see this power at work today? Now, sometimes there are multiple answers to a question. If you ask me why I haven't lost weight in the last six months, I can tell you I've had probably the busiest year, second busiest year of my life. I can tell you I just eat too much. I can tell you I eat the wrong foods. I can tell you I don't exercise enough or I'm doing the wrong kind of exercise. I'm too stressed. I'm sleep, Whatever it is, I can give you a multiple list of answers. Well, today, I want to try to address this question. Why do we so rarely see this power at work today? And I want to acknowledge there are lots of answers to this question. It's not as simple as just one thing. But I also want to hone in on one of the answers that I think is often overlooked. In fact, it's not just overlooked, but it's extremely scary to talk about because it's fairly controversial. Ian Bounds, who wrote about eight or ten books on prayer, he said this, When the saddening news of the daughter's death had brought to Jairus, our Lord interposed, Be not afraid, he said calmly, only believe. To the woman with the issue of blood who stood trembling before him, he said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. As the two blind men followed him, pressing their way into the house, he said, According to your faith, he it unto you, whatever that means, and their eyes were opened. Blind Bartimaeus, uh, Bartimaeus sitting by the wayside, hears our Lord as he passes by and cries out pitifully and almost despairingly, Jesus, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. The keen ears of our Lord immediately catch the sound of the prayer and he says to the beggar, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. What's the key here? What's the relationship? Now this is scary because it seems as if Jesus taught that there is a clear relationship between our faith and God's power. I mean, it's undeniable. I could give you example after example after example after example after example. There is a clear, like it's undeniable. If you believe even a hint of the New Testament, it is undeniable. There is a clear relationship between our faith and God's power. Now, this immediately raises a heap of questions. Already I can see by people's expressions, they're concerned. Where is this going to go? If this is true... Does the Bible really teach that God will give us whatever we ask for if we simply believe? I mean, that's an extraordinary concept. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense in your reality, but that doesn't seem to necessarily make sense in mine. Are unanswered prayers the result of our lack of faith? Sometimes, if you've been around church for a little bit, you may have had good experiences and bad experiences, hopefully good. But every now and again, people have bad experiences of church. And sometimes, you might be praying for someone who's sick, praying for someone who's going through a difficult time and, and God hasn't come through the way you wanted to, wanted him to. And people say, well, that's because you lack faith. And it's almost like they blame you for what's happened. Is that the kind of abuse that, that is going to happen if we open this can of worms? 
Should we be thanking God for what we're asking Him to do before, we've even had a, before He's even had a chance to do it? Like, is this, is this what the Bible teaches? Is there anything, is anything really possible for those who believe? Does God ever say no to the prayer offered in faith? There's all sorts of questions that come up. The moment you say there is a direct and clear relationship between our faith and God's power, it's going to raise a heap of questions and a heap of controversy. Added to that, it gets even worse. There's a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was an atheist. He was not interested in Christianity at all, but he started to dialogue with a bunch of people who are very smart uh, and very thoughtful, and he began to investigate who Jesus was and what he'd done. Eventually, he came to the conclusion that Jesus was real, that he died on the cross, that he paid for our sins, and his whole Christian thing is legit. He said in his kind of story about how he became a Christian, that he was the most reluctant convert in all of England. He went on to write a series of books, very, very intelligent guy, some of which you may know, The Lion, The Witch in the Wardrobe, etc. He said this, the New Testament contains embarrassing promises that what we pray for with faith, we shall receive. He goes on to say, Mark eleven twenty four is the most staggering. Whatever we ask for, believing that we'll get it, we'll get No question of merely general faith in God, but a belief that you'll get the particular thing you ask. No question of getting either it or something else that is really far better for you. You'll get precisely it. And to heap paradox on paradox, the Greek doesn't even say believing that you'll get it. It uses the aros, which one is tempted to translate believing that you got it. This This is full on. He goes on to say, how is this astonishing promise to be reconciled, A, with the observed facts? In other words, how can we make sense of this when this is not our experience? We've all asked for things, whether we're Christian or not, we've all asked for things and not necessarily seen God come through the way we would want. And added to that, how do we reconcile it with B, with the prayer in Gethsemane? In other words, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was about to be crucified, He sits there and one last shot, he cries out to God saying, God, Father, would you take this cup from me? It's a prayer by Jesus. If anyone has faith, surely it's Jesus. And Jesus does not get a yes, he gets a no. He goes on to say, with the prayer in Gethsemane, and as a result of that prayer, the universally accepted view that we should ask anything with a reservation, if it be thy will. What the heck do we do with this? This is confusing. We've somehow got to make sense that there is an undeniable, clear relationship, according to Jesus, between our faith and God's power. And yet our experience doesn't necessarily line up. So what I want to do today is see if I can make sense of this and talk about the relationship between our faith and God's power. I've got a diagram for you. I hope you're so excited. Okay, so the first thing is this. The Bible seems to indicate where there is little faith, there is little power. Where there is little faith, there is little power. Mark 6, 5, he could not, this is about Jesus. Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. There was a relationship between their lack of faith and how little power was released. Matthew 17, 19. 
The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, now they've just been trying to cast out demons. This is full on. This is weird. If you're kind of new to church or new to the whole Christian thing and they're talking about demons and the supernatural, we get that. Actually, what's interesting is for some people, the supernatural is actually what draws them into Christianity. They're super interested in the supernatural. I know that that was one of the factors for me. For others of us, it's actually something that turns us off. So if you're someone who's saying, look, this, this talk is supernatural, it's confusing to me, it's something that's actually maybe making me a bit unsure of the whole Christian thing. We get that. We'd love to be able to talk to you about that. There are lots of very rational, intelligent people who become Christians. And if that's something for you, we'd love to have a chat with you. But the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? They've been trying to cast out this demon like what you see in the movies, and they failed, which would have been terrifying to me, right? Even just going near someone with a demon. And he said to them, why? Because of your little faith. And again, there's a link. Um, Even if you're not a Christian, you may know the story of Jesus walking on water. When Jesus was walking on water, Peter, one of Jesus' followers, was in the boat, and he's very bold and courageous. And he said to Jesus, if it's you, call me and I'll come out to you. You You could perform a miracle and I could walk on water right now which I think is a huge amount of faith. So Matthew records that Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. I think it's interesting he saw the wind. I would have just been thinking this is full on. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him saying to you, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? His initial faith took him out onto the water. He's walking on water with Jesus and then he begins to doubt and begins to sink. So here we see a direct relationship between little faith and little power. The next one is this. Where there is some faith, there is sometimes power. Um, Now I think this is where most of us live. Most of us live in this world where we have both faith and doubt at the same time. Uh, There's a story recorded in um, Mark's biography of Jesus. A guy called John Mark, he wrote a biography of Jesus and he said this. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, he has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, Everything is possible for the one who believes. And again, you're thinking, Jesus, do you know what you're saying? These are extraordinary, really, they're, out, like they're, they're full-on statements. Are you really, do you really mean this? Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, and this is so much like many of us here today, certainly I feel like this, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw a crowd, um, saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. So here we see a situation, and this should be an incredible encouragement for all of us, where yes, there's a level of faith, but there's also an acknowledgement that I've got all sorts of questions and confusions and doubts, but by God's kindness, he still performs the miracle. Where there is some faith, sometimes we see God's power at work. And the last one, now this is where it gets controversial and this is where maybe some of you write me off. Jesus teaches where there is complete faith, there is complete power. 
Now, what I'm going to read to you is not a televangelist. It's not a motivational speaker. It's not some telecommercial. It's not someone trying to sell something. It's not some self-help book that promises you that if you just do 10 more push-ups a day, you're going to look like, you know, the rock or whoever it is. Like, it's, this is the, these are the very words of Jesus. And this is what he says. Matthew 11. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And you're like, Jesus, no, surely you don't actually mean that. You don't mean like, like, really? Like you want us to believe we've already received it and it will be yours. And this is what Jesus says. Matthew 21. Truly I tell you, again, the words of Jesus, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do um, what was done to this fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And again, you're thinking, Jesus, can you just kind of, can you tone it down a bit? Can you just kind of pull it? This, these, are two, these statements are too extraordinary. Do you really mean what you say? Andrew Murray explained it like this. There is one kind of prayer in which we make known our request in everything. And the reward is the sweet peace of God in our hearts and minds. This is the prayer of trust. Now, according to Andrew Murray... He's talking about this kind of faith. We believe that God is good. We believe that God is kind. We believe that God is powerful. We don't know what God wants to do, but we trust him. This he calls the prayer of trust. We have some level of faith and we leave the outcome to God. But he goes on to say, we leave it to him to decide whether or not to give as he knows best. But... The prayer of faith, this is the last kind of prayer, the complete faith, the prayer of faith of which Jesus speaks is something higher and different. Nothing honours the Father like the faith that is assured that he will do what he has said in giving us whatever we ask. Now, I am super aware that this is raising all sorts of questions and maybe is even confusing you. If you're someone who's not necessarily used to coming to church, maybe this is a good reason as to why you don't come. But what I want to do now is just give you an opportunity to reflect upon what we've been looking at so far. So I'm going to show a video. If you want to, you could, with the person beside you, discuss this question. What questions or thoughts do you have? It only goes for a minute. If you'd rather not participate or you want to talk about the cricket, that is fine as well. You've got about a minute and a half. Go for it. Ba 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 
Okay, now at this point, a brave person would take questions from the audience and those who are bored would walk out and those of us who are interested would stay here for the next 45 minutes and try to solve all the world's problems. I'm not that brave, so I'm not going to take your questions, but I do want this to be a, a point. I, many, many times in church, sometimes you just listen and you just go, well, I'm kind of engaged. I kind of liked it. I enjoyed it. But we don't really engage and intellectually about what's going on. Again, we'd encourage you to be doing this throughout the week in, uh, in, in, in the connect groups, in the different groups that we have, one-on-one, um, as we have conversations outside of what's going on. What I want to do is ask a question that I have as a result of this stuff, and that's this. How can anyone have this complete faith? Is this even possible? Like we hear about Jesus speaking about it, but is it even, I mean, do we even see this? Is this even possible? Um, C.S. Lewis, who I've already quoted, um, I wrestled with this for about 12 months and I couldn't figure it out. I'm going back and forth, reading everything I could. I came across a little book that he wrote called um, Letters to Malcolm, Chiefly About Prayer. And in that book, he says this. How or why does such faith occur sometimes, but not always, even in the perfect petitioner? <clears throat> so in other words, what he's saying is, is it possible that anyone can have this faith if even Jesus in the garden did not have this level of faith. And he goes on to say, my own idea is that it occurs only when the one who prays does so as God's fellow worker, demanding what is needed for the joint work. It is the prophets, the apostles, the missionaries, the healers' prayer that is made with this confidence and finds the confidence justified by the event. He goes on to say, the difference we are told between a servant and a friend is that a servant is not in his master's secrets. For him, orders are orders. He, only, he has only his um, own surmises as to the plans he helps to execute. <clears throat> but the fellow worker of God is so united with him at certain moments that something of the divine foreknowledge enters his mind. Hence his faith is the evidence, that is the evidentness or obviousness of things not seen. What C.S. Lewis is saying is this, there is another scale at work. And when we are unsure of God's will, it may be that we don't necessarily know what, what God wants to do. Or that we're even in sometimes praying against what we think God might want to do. So this is what we see in the garden. I know this is controversial, but it's very obvious. Did Jesus know God's plan? Yes. He knew God's plan before the beginning of time. It was that he would die on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. Jesus was praying against God's will, hoping that God would change his will. And in doing so, he would not have had complete faith. But what C.S. Lewis is saying is when we are sure of God's will and we are sure that this is 100% what God wants to do, this increases our faith 
And as we begin to focus and remind ourselves on God's desires and God's passions and God's purposes and God's heart and God's will, then we find our faith is increased and God's power is more likely to be released. Now, what does all this mean? I just want to finish with a couple of stories. The first one is this. We need to constantly tell stories that build our faith. Um, I have a friend, um, I'm just going to call him Jack. Uh, Years ago, he um, was at a church, not necessarily super involved, kind of cared about Christianity, but kind of didn't, kind of went to church because that's what he was doing. Um, His other friend, let's just call him Bob, Bob was a missionary and Bob wanted uh, Jack uh, to organise an event at his church where he could promote his mission organisation. Jack's a nice guy, so Jack said, yep, I'll organise it. And they ran this, this mission night. They probably put up lots of slides, probably fairly boring, to be honest. And, and anyway, Jack got some people from his church to come. Bob got up, talked about his mission um, uh, organisation and invited people to come join him. Not a single, people, not a single person was interested. So Jack's sitting there going, oh, well, that was a complete failure. But while Jack was sitting there, something happened and Jack felt like God was speaking to him and Jack felt as if God said to to him, you need to be the one that goes on this mission trip. And Jack's like, that's not me. Like, I'm not even really that full on a Christian. I'm kind of just doing this for a mate. But, but, But God just kept prompting him. God just kept speaking to him. God just kept by his spirit, in a sense, guiding him. And Jack became convinced he had to go on this mission trip. Now, Jack had this massive issue with his back. He could, he could barely sit down. It was like a, like a significant issue. It wasn't just like, I've got a bad back. It was like debilitating, significant, significant issue. The idea of standing or sitting on a plane for hours was just like the thought would have just been excruciating, just thinking about it. But Jack was convinced that God wanted him to go on this mission trip. He had faith. So anyway, he went ahead with the whole thing. He organised the trip and he's super worried about the plane trip. And the interesting thing is, he said, the moment he sat down in the plane on that seat, all back pain was gone in an instant for that trip. It's as if God had spoken. Um, My mate Jack had exercised faith and God's power was released. Second thing I want to just say is this. We need to recklessly throw ourselves on God's promises. We need to recklessly throw ourselves on God's promises. Um, if Jason and I want to catch up and I think, oh, it'd be great to see Jason. I haven't really seen him over the Christmas break. I know he's been doing some stuff. Good to know what him and his family have been doing. And I think, oh, I might just rock up at North Lakes at 2 p.m. this afternoon and hopefully I'll see Jason there. Is that faith? That's hope, isn't it? I hope he's there. He might be there. Will you be there, Jason? I don't know. (laughs) I have no reason to believe that he's going to be there. I just hope that he will be there. But if Jason says to me, hey, when can we catch up? And I say, yeah, I'd love to catch up. And he says, hey, I'm going to be at North Lakes at 2 p.m. And I go, I'll be at North Lakes at 2 p.m. And we are going to make a decision based on what has been said That is faith. Faith is taking someone at their word. Jason has spoken. Jason has said, I'll be at North Lakes at 2 p.m. 
faith is me saying, I'm taking Jason at his word. I'm going to trust that he's going to come through. We need to constantly remind ourselves what God has said and what he has promised and throw ourselves recklessly on his promises. That's how we exercise faith. The last thing is this. We don't need, to, uh, we don't need complete faith in order to become a Christian. <clears throat> um, Years ago, I had a student who was highly intelligent, off the charts, way smarter than I had ever been. I was teaching him for Mass C, and um, he said to me, I'm never going to become a Christian until you can prove it to be 100% correct. And I remember thinking, I, I don't think you're going to get there, mate. Like, it's just, it's just not that simple. Like, I, you want me to prove something that happened in history? Like, that's just not how it works. I can't, like in science, I can conduct an experiment and prove something to you. But that's very different to a historian or someone who's looking at something in a court of law. It just doesn't work like that. And I'm sharing with him an illustration I got from a friend. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice today. It's pretty shocking. Anyway, um, the, the illustration is this. Let's say you grew up in the, in the country and you'd never been to a big city and you'd never been to one of those you know, really tall story buildings. And you, you're like 18 and you've got a job interview. And you fly into the city, there's this massive building, and you walk in um, to the the bottom floor, you go to the desk, and there's a gentleman at the desk, and he says to you, "Um, uh, yes, Mr. Broadbent, um, your interview is in 20 minutes, just go up to the 50th floor, and there'll be someone waiting for you, and they'll give you a seat, and you can wait up there. Now, I don't know what it's like to ride in an elevator. I've never been to a big city. I just see him point to this big steel metal box with these big metal jaws that open and close. People go in and they never come out. And I'm like, hang on, you want me to go in there and never come back again? He goes, yeah, that's fine. So I'm like, hang on, do I really want to go in? But eventually I'm like, I've just got to go in. I want this job. So I take a step of faith and I step into the elevator. It's already super weird because everyone turns around and faces one direction. No one talks to each other. There's weird Justin Bieber music playing in the background. Then the door's shut, everyone's silent, and then all of a sudden the floor begins to lift up underneath you. It's a terrifying experience. Now here's the thing. Does my doubt, does my anxiety, does my confusion, does my lack of understanding about how elevators work, does my lack of experience affect my final destination? No. My doubts affect my experience of the journey, and we see that, but it doesn't affect my final destination. I still get off on the 50th floor like everyone else. And if you're saying today, listen, I've been coming to church for a little bit and I've been exploring this whole thing, but I'm still carrying a heap of doubt, you need to know that is completely fine. We all have questions. We all have doubts. You don't need to be 100% sure. And maybe you're saying today, look, I, I do believe in Jesus. I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. But you've never stepped into the elevator. You've never put yourself into the arms of Jesus. And I just want to give you an opportunity today. Maybe this is just a fantastic way to start the new year. You're saying to yourself, yes, I have questions. Yes, I have doubts. Yes, there's all sorts of things I'm confused about. But I do believe. I do think there was a man called Jesus. I do believe he rose from the dead. I do believe he paid for for the sins of mankind. I do believe that he can save me. And if that's you today, I just want to finish by giving you an opportunity. 
So can we have every single person with their heads bowed and their eyes closed? If you're saying today, hey, this is my moment. This is my opportunity to put my faith in Jesus. I need a saviour. If that's you, could you simply put your hand up right now and say, yes, Jesus, this is me. This is my way of stepping into your arms. That's great. Just keep putting your hand up. Jesus, save me. Let's just pray together. In this moment, Jesus, we acknowledge that we are sinners who need a saviour. We thank you that you came not to condemn but to save. And we put our faith in you. We trust in you. Father, in this moment, pay for our sin in full. Give us the Holy Spirit and make us a new person. We look forward to seeing you face to face and living with you for eternity. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you came for me. Amen.